Welcome, college basketball lovers, to episode 56 of Mad About Hoops. I'm Timmy Hall. Here's my college basketball-loving friend, Evil Bald Colin. Good to see you this week, man. Tim, good to see you. I I see we're sensing a theme, at least in our pre-show talk, about how these shows are going to go from now on. You're going to teach us a little bit about stuff, and I'm just going to rip on... uh, Holsters and what what's the landscape of the little guys in the, in the, in the college basketball world? Yeah, so what I'm bringing to the table today is, and this kind of started for me when I was watching Roy Williams get all the love at Allen Fieldhouse. I I thought that was neat. I mean, how could you not? As a hardcore, as a diehard college basketball fan. Everyone knows about the 15 years he spent at the University of Kansas, never got the national championship. He had the famous, you know, I don't give a shit about North Carolina right there in the (laughs) locker room. I think to Tracy (laughs) Wolfson, I know you got somebody in your ear and you know, I know you got a question to ask, you know, you know, he got to the title game in his last game there against Carmelo Anthony in Syracuse and couldn't get it done. Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison, you love those players, but to see Roy, back at Allen Fieldhouse for the first time. He just reached out to him a few weeks ago, and of course they're going to oblige. They're going to give him the best seats in the house, and they had the video tribute as they should have, and it was cool, man, and hopefully Roy shows up there from time to time. I remember when he went to North Carolina, he just felt so weird about it and would never play them, and I, I kind of understand that aspect of it, but how can you be connected to Kansas when you go and take the North Carolina job of all places? So he, he kind of needed to retire yeah. for this to happen. And uh, I just thought that was cool to see. So I, I kind of uh, spawned off from that and wanted to have a, a deeper dive into some college basketball coaches that are legends of the game, but hardly anybody knows them the way we know a coach K or a Roy Williams or a Jim Calhoun. So I'll have three names yeah. that I want everyone to remember on this pod. I, I think one, everybody's going to figure out because we've talked about it within the station here in Columbus. And then I think even maybe a little bit on this podcast here and there. Yeah, but really, spotty. but in the grand scheme, no one's going to know who that guy was. No, I, I think the general population would not. You're right. And what are you bringing to the table today? Yeah, so it's it's our famous uh, mid-major flavor, so I'm kind of mm. getting you up to date. We are right now, I think I saw some publication, maybe it was Fox Sports, but they said this is the middle of the year. We're at the midpoint of the season. Absolutely. Let's get an update on what what these teams look like that you're going to see sitting on a 12, a 13, or maybe even a 14 seed line come March. So how many are you going to try to... Uh, Give I, us a, a, the flavor of I'm gonna, the, on this pod. I think in terms of deep dive, four, but I've got a couple honorable mentions too. Okay, yeah. all right. So a pretty hefty bag. A lot of mid-major well, flavors well, to taste. Well, you got to because I think these teams that I'm going to mention are, in terms of Kempom, they're respected pretty well. They could be in that 12 to 13 line. And as we know, those are the two spots where you can really see upsets come March. So you really need to be prepared. I love how we get ideas for future podcast topics while we start to go. <laughs> Now that this is going to be a 2021-2022 college basketball season update of mid-major flavors, all-time mid-major flavors, that sounds like a fun one too. And it's probably something in the 55 episodes before here that we have touched on, but I I can always talk Weber State basketball as long as you'll allow Meanwhile, me. We can go search around the big sky and this, have some fun. This is a little nugget, but I didn't put them in my flavor, but they are doing pretty well this year out there, out west. I think they're like 10 and 5, 11 and 5 or something like that. They're in the middle of their race. It's just Wildcats basketball. What are you going to say? <laughs> if you're if you're if you got the nickname Wildcats, you have to be a certain level of good. You just have that's just the rule. You have Villanova, you have Kentucky, you have Arizona, any other Wildcats out there, you've got to at least contend for championships every few years in your league. But then if you're like Northwestern, you've only made the tournament once. I mean, there's uh there's yeah. there's two sides of it. They don't feel like Wildcats. They feel like Purple Panthers or something. <laughs> yeah. We'll su- we'll submit a uh petition to get that changed. All right. So, all those fun topics coming your way. This is Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Oh! Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it. it. He hit it. He, he, Turner. it. he hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. You find oh. 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 Set it in, Jerome. 
March Madness. Yes, it is. I'm Timmy Hall. That's Evil Bald Colin. We thank you guys so much for checking us out on this pod. If you did, that means you have a passion and you have a love and appreciation for college basketball, maybe more so than any other sport. We're in the thick of it, man. This has been fun. Uh, I mean, what a week of college basketball. So many big games. We saw number one go down for the first time. So we are just firing on all cylinders. No, now. yeah, you're in the middle of conference play. It's really fun. Uh, we, As we're recording on the 12th, we had some really good games. The 11th with Baylor going down. Uh, on the 12th, you've got a big matchup in the Big East between Villanova and Xavier at Cintas Center. Uh, there's, You're starting to get into the deep thick of things in terms of conference play. And it's going to come up fast, especially for Ohio state here locally. Some of big matchups coming up. So it's, yeah, it's going to be very fun. How's that projected trip to the Cintas going by the way? Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to involve Butler, but because the game's on like a Tuesday night and it doesn't really fit well with our work schedule, but no, uh, uh, no, it's definitely a weekend one. I, I have been eyeballing a Providence game at uh, Butler. I think it's late February. So I think I'm going to take a trip out there. I haven't seen the updates on whether the Hoosiers gym is open during this time, but I'm going to look into that because I would like to stop by on the way there. It's a noon game, so it'll be early in the day, but that is uh that's on the docket. I'm not gonna blame I'm not gonna blame you so much for that usage of the letter S, but it's just fitting because you're a true Ohioan. It's actually just singular. It's just the Hoosier gym. Yes. It's not your fault. Yes, you haven't been there right. yet. That's you right. haven't been there seven times like I have. So <laughs> I'll I'll allow it this once. You know it's Meyer and Kroger and Walmart and, and, and not I, S's on the end of I those get, stores. I get bit by those ones all the time. So it's it's nothing new. Yeah, somebody was just giving me crap about uh, soda last night. You a soda guy or you a pop guy? Well, you're an East Coast guy by nature. So you probably would say soda, but it is pop around here. It is pop. Yes. See, I thought we had to get more over towards uh, the lake for it to be pop. I thought maybe here in central Ohio, we'd have more soda users. No, and there's people that are very passionate about making sure it's pop and not soda. <laughs> as, as the yes. people were on social media. Yeah, very passionate <laughs> indeed. I might have to uh, tag along with you. That sounds fun. Providence at Butler. I think that one is on the docket, but then I also, I'm, I've been trying to look at like, I think what would be closer for us is uh, they play St. John's in a, in a couple weeks. That's before yeah. our uh, Super Bowl trip, so oh, I'm trying man. to see if I can maybe go over there and see the Johnnies. You mentioned in some of these Big East programs. Talk about a Butler-Providence game at Providence. How much fun. What about well, like a real college a really... basketball trip to the Northeast, <laughs> huh? St. John's would be great to check out. Carneseca, yeah. Carneseca, right. I would love to see it there, not one of their games at Madison Square Garden. I still need to check Madison Square Garden off the list, but yeah. I'd rather see a St. John's game at their tiny on-campus venue first, and I would love to see Providence and see what Ed Cooley's place yeah, is all about. I thought they play Butler there in a couple of weeks, or maybe it's in the next week or so, but uh, I, I did see that when I was looking on Ticketmaster. Uh, yeah, I I am 100% with you. There's no reason why you'd want to go. If you're going to go to the Madison Square Garden, cross it off for like a Knicks game or something, but save the St. John's for where it's supposed to be. All right, man. Let's uh, let's start with you. Let's go mid-major okay. flavor and tell us what's on your mind. Tell us about all these programs that you're watching, that you're tracking, and who you see doing great things. Yeah, so basically I'm looking for familiar names, maybe guys you haven't realized that transferred out of programs to go play at these mid-majors, and they've really turned out to play really well. And I, I, the only place I can start is where I was talking to you about pre-show, and it's one of your guys back at KU uh, known for trying to yeah. swing the stool. It's Silvio D'Souza. He actually found his way down to Chattanooga, down in the SoCon. Way down yonder in the Chattanooga. Yes. They've had a pretty good season so far. They're 13-3. and three. They're first in the Southern. Yeah, uh, heck they're yeah. They're 62 in Ken Palm. So you like to see teams inside the top 100 if they're not or a uh, mid-major team. That's where you kind of get a feel of a team that could pull an upset in the tournament time. Uh, they are above teams like St. Bonaventure, Virginia, and even the ACC leader, Louisville, in terms of Kempom ranking. So that's interesting. They have uh, their leading scorer, Malachi Smith. He's been pretty good this year. Averages about 20 points per game. He's a right state transfer, so we recognize him back in the state. Okay. All uh, right. But yeah, Silva D'Souza's averaging 12 and 7 a game. So he's, he's a guy that I think the SoCon has always been interesting. You you recognize them with Winthrop a, a lot. Um the Paladins down there with Furman have also been a team in the past that we've talked a lot about. Teams that come out of that conference can sometimes slide in that 13 or 14 spot and really give a, a team a tricky game. Hey, you don't have to tell me 
how good SoCon basketball is or how what your respect level should be. If you are a basketball fan and you have never even glanced at the Southern Conference, do it. And, you know, part of the mid-major flavor, it's fun to just pull up the ESPN college basketball standings page. We have such a... It's basically like the seven oceans that cover the globe, right? I mean... All, 98% of sports is college basketball, right? When you think about the number of teams, right? What's There's 340, 358 teams. Yeah, almost all of the teams in sports and the are college basketball reason, teams the, when it comes down to it. So pay attention <laughs> and look at all the standings in the different leagues out there. The only reason I know that number is because I was looking up when uh, Ohio State announced their opponent for the Tuesday night game. Yes, ooey-pooey. Ooey-pooey yeah. is 355th out of 358 in Kempom surprising to me it really is surprising to me you would think that all indiana basketball programs need to be at a certain standard but don't don't go telling that to you know chicago state or one of those programs right you'd think that would just be something that had to happen as well and any a program that's in chicago has to be a certain level of respectable no, that no. I mean that that program's a complete embarrassment, and the fact that they play in the I think it's the WAC they they play down there with like New Mexico State and whatnot. I unless they changed leagues. How but, are the Cougars this year? I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell very, you in a probably second. not very good. Looks like I'm looking at Coastal Carolina. Also, by the way, when I click on their team, that, yeah, that's interesting. They lost a Grand Canyon. That's where yours truly, Bryce Drew. Is coaching. They have a very good team. Actually, that was one of my uh, honorable mentions is the team that's going to come out of that conference. They Sometimes they give a good game, sometimes they don't, but it's going to seem like a two-team race between uh, New Mexico State and mm. Grand Canyon. Uh, not your mid-major flavor. Chicago State, 5-12. and 12. Uh, That's the start they're you know off to in this that's season. An impre- that's an impressive increase because they've been a team that's been like one or two wins mm. max each year. Just imagine that, just winning a couple of games in a college basketball season. But you're you're talking about Chattanooga and you're talking about the SoCon, and I'll just I'll never forget. Do you know who they beat? Who Chicago State? No. Do they have a really good win? Actually, Ohio State plays them pretty soon. Ohio State plays Chicago State. Pre- no, they oh, they beat, team they, they beat IUPUI. <laughs> yes, they okay, did. Yeah. Ah, connections. <laughs> oh my goodness, they yeah. won by six. That's no, their amazing. their coach UT Chattanooga, and and by the way, maybe we'll figure this out before the pod ends. I feel like somebody used the UT Chattanooga gig to step up somewhere. Like there's a bigger name in coaching Recently. that was at UT Chattanooga. But for the last several years, it's been Lamont Paris. Paris. Yep. Yeah. And he's, he's an Ohioan Finley boy. Yeah. He's a Finley boy. He played at Worcester. Am I saying that right? Worcester. I, you know, Worcester. I, Worcester. I get shamed for saying that. I know. So I, don't think I know. Ask me. I, I'm not the one I need our guy. Skip Mossick from uh, the Ohio state sports network and the Ohio news network. To help me with that stuff, but yeah, UT Chattanooga is a good one, man. And the that's that's crazy. I I forgot where uh, D'Souza went. I just I thought they were blackballing him from the sport of college <laughs> basketball, and it was just another one of those examples where yeah, Dude, okay, the kid might have done something wrong, or or one of his guardians did something wrong, but nobody, you know, speaking of Kansas basketball, right, and how they were honoring Roy Williams, Bill Self just still out there and. The bell is going to toll eventually, like it did for Auburn when Bruce Pearl got all of a one-game suspension for their role in the FBI scandal. It, it did in Chuck Person as it should have, but yeah, we will see. And I didn't, I didn't know D'Souza had popped back up, but he's he he's did. playing pretty well. Yeah, huh? they, yeah, they got a really good team. Uh, there's actually two. Co- the past two coaches have actually upgraded, and this is fun. We can play a little trivia real quick uh, because I'll give you the first one. Matt McCall is the most recent one. He's now the head Matt coach McCall. at UMass. Okay, uh, but the one before him, he's pretty famous. He's got a He's got a power five job right now. That's what I thought. He, this is the uh, one that I was. This is the one that I was thinking he, of. Give me a conference, he, okay? Been, uh, I mean, it, it would give it away. It's SEC. Um, um, was very wait, high profile. Alabama's coach. No, Nate Oates. Not Nate Oates. Him. Nope. Shoot, Arkansas's coach. No, it is not him. But you're in the right side of just, the conference. Darn it! Just give it to it me. It is Will Wade. Will Wade, the money man. He Will went, Wade, he LSU. Went, yep, he went from Chattanooga to VCU and then on his way down to LSU. That was the one. That was the one. Good, good for Chattanooga. What's their nickname? 
The mocks. The moccasins. Yes. That's fantastic. All right. So I, I think it's it's only fair we go to the next one. That's uh, It's going to be on everybody's board when they see it come across. If they do win the conference, there'll be a team that lands in like a maybe anywhere from a 12 to a 14 seed. They pulled off the upset last year over Virginia. It has to be Ohio. OU. They're 13-2. and two. They're 99th in Ken Palm. I think it's kind of a little bit low, to be honest with you, but the first in the MAC. Uh, this is a team that has a home. 99? They're 99th in Ken Palm. I would have... I would have bet my house they were higher than sixty. It's funny. I'm with you. I've I've paid a I've paid some attention to Ohio. I do a lot of Buckeye shows with a guy named Eric Reeser, who's an alum, mm-hmm. absolutely loves Ben Vanderplas, right? And they haven't even He's had very good. They haven't even had their fifteen and eight guy, Dwight Wilson from last season. They haven't had him all year. That is very been true. Out. That's very true. But they have couple guys that are filling in really well for them. We have Johnstown's Jason Carter, Jason who's, Carter's who's good. a Xavier transfer. He's yeah. averaging about 14 points a game. But the headliner is the, the increase that Mark Sears has had yeah. from his freshman to sophomore season. He's averaging 19.7 points per game. Uh, as you mentioned, Vanderplas is still there. This is a team that I was going to say Belmont, they beat at home. Uh, they lost on the road at UK and LSU. But as you mentioned pre-show, they gave K- uh, Kentucky a pretty good game. They did. Is Sears your Mac POI? I think he's got to be on your list right now. Yeah. The, the Mac as a whole has been kind of disappointing outside of Toledo and uh, OU. But yeah, without a doubt, he's got to be your number one guy. Yeah, and we spoke very highly of the Ohio schools in the Mac. And I don't think they're bad. It's just that a- Akron's decent. Yeah, they're not pulling down, you know, Ohio and Toledo and Akron. They're up there. Then you have Eastern Michigan, Buffalo, Ball State. Kent State has been the shocker. And so is Bowling Green. Yeah. Kent State and Bowling Green and Miami. They've really uh, not been nearly as good as I thought. I thought every program in the state was going to be up at a certain level, and at least the Bobcats seem to be pacing the conference. I think they're going to win it. They're too good. I completely agree with you. I I keep on seeing DeCourcy putting Ohio State with OU in the 14-13 or the 4-13 matchup, and it would scare me to death that they did that just like they did with Dayton back in the day. I think we know why Ohio is so successful, because all those uh, times that you brush elbows with Coach Bowles at the dentist, <laughs> you I think you hand him some sets or at least some scouting reports or some of this deep-dive analytical intel that you bring. No, I haven't seen him since that one time it happened, but ever since that dentist appointment happened, he's been really, really good down there. So well, Yeah, you exchanged cell phone numbers, so you, you guys talk all the time. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, this next one is really interesting because, again, I don't know if I agree with the Kempom ranking, and you're going to compare it to the OU one and think it's crazy. But this team is 32nd in Kempom. They play in the West Coast Conference. It's the Dons of San Francisco. They're 14-2. and two. Yes. They're 14-2. Yes. They have two, I would say, decent wins. They beat Nevada and Arizona State. Uh, but they have losses to Loyola, Chicago, and Grand Canyon. So, uh, I would say they need a little bit more of the resume boosting, but this is definitely this West Coast Conference is going to be a multi-bid league. I promise you that. How? Who else do you like in that conference? BYU. BYU is leading the besides, conference right now. Besides but, them, is there anybody else? Because the Cougars have sort of flexed and established themselves as a true threat. They they beat Gonzaga yeah, late last year. That was incredible. I I would probably say it's a it's a three team race. Well, you know what? If if St. Mary's? Mary's has got to get a couple more wins. They're 12 and four, but their resume isn't that great. Uh, they're already 0 and 1 to start uh, conference play. But uh, no, the the Dons, the Cougars, and Gonzaga are right now my three that would make the. Tournament. Okay, is there anybody else other than St. Because we've known St. Mary's, we've known the Gales for a while now. They've had some really good teams. They've had runs to the Sweet 16. They've been a a definite player. Is there anybody else out there in the West Coast Conference that's doing anything consistently? Not really, but honestly, this is such an upgrade from what we've had the past five years. I sure. mean, I guess I could throw in Santa Clara. They're ten and five, okay. but again, nothing really of resume boosting on their slate. But no, this is we're talking about a league that was a throwaway league. It was BYU and Gonzaga that was really about it, and then St. Mary's every so often. But now you're starting to get that extension of teams like San Francisco emerging. It's becoming a better conference from top to bottom. You know the big name that went to San Francisco. Basketball history here now. That was Bill Russell, right? Yes. Very good. I'm proud of you for that yes. one. And I believe they won a national championship back in the day, too. Back in the 50s? Yeah, with Bill, with Bill yeah. Russell. There, I was just looking at some of my early 90s basketball cards. I was just sorting some things through over the weekend. And I found another one of the Chicago Bulls was a San Francisco Don as well. Bill Cartwright. Oh, wow. Cartwright? I, I never would have that. Yeah, Bill Cartwright went to San Francisco. Talk about some good bigs, you know, playing for the Dons, right? 
So that's great. You got anybody else? Yeah, my last big deep dive before I hit some honorable mentions. It's going to be Murray State. This is a team that's 12 and 2 in the OVC, 76th in Kempom. They're racers. They're known for their offense, they're less on defense. Uh, they're just ahead in terms of Kempom rankings of that hot Miami, Florida team right now that just knocked off Duke. For some reason, can't get ranked. I don't understand what is with Jim Laranega's team that they can't get ranked by the AP voters. But nonetheless, they're leading the conference down there in the ACC. Uh, Murray State is a team that has wins over Chattanooga, who we've already talked about, and Memphis. So Penny's team, they've already beaten. Uh, they do have a loss by about 13 points on the road at Auburn. But this is a team. That's okay. That, they're top te- four. Yeah, this is a team. If they beat Belmont, and uh, it's a one-bid league, obviously, with the OVC. But if they beat Belmont and they make it, this that's a team that's going to slide into a 12 seed. And it's going to be a prime pick for that 5-12 matchup. Oh, man. Murray State and Belmont at the top of the OVC. That yeah, seems pretty standard, doesn't it? It is very recent st- memory. It is very standard. Uh, Belmont started slow, but. I think they're going to give Murray State a, a battle oh, as yeah. they meet in that tournament. Oh, yeah, title. they will. Uh, Murray State, I believe they have not played both games against Belmont yet, and I think they have not played Moorhead State yet. Our guy who, uh, Belmont, by the way, not Murray State, Nick Musinski. Yes. He was a guest on this podcast. If you go back and find one of the previous episodes, when would that have been? That would have been right, right before the shutdown. before the pandemic. Yep. Right before the because pandemic. Because then we had the Hofstra coach right after. Oh, God, I... I really hope for Musinski that Belmont gets into the tournament. Really do. Yeah, they've they got a good team. They just they haven't been fully consistent. Like I said, they lost that game to OU. It's just gonna honestly with that league, it really just is gonna come down to how do you do in the tournament? Because they were in when we talked to him, right? They, they were in. They won. The, they the, won the, the title. title. They were in as of that moment. Yes, and they beat Murray State seventy six seventy five. Yep, that sounds about right. Fantastic. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. So our honorable mentions, we'll run down a few here. So uh, Davidson, they started one and two and they've won 12 straight. They tied Auburn for the longest uh, consecutive win streak as of right now in the season with 12, uh, 46th in camp on. This is a team with teams like uh, St. Bonaventure. Who's really been down as of expectations this year. Uh, You've got teams like Dayton that are making a push, but I would say the most consistent team is Davidson with their 46th ranking in Kempom. Hey, shout out to the old Southern Conference. Yes, that's how I that's, that's right. how I got so up to speed on Southern Conference <laughs> basketball because of a dude named Steph and me happening to be in North Carolina at the Hurt, time. It was Hurt, amazing. Hurdy's pretty good. Uh, Louisiana Tech down there in Conference USA, they got a guy by the name of Kenneth Lofton Jr. He averages a double-double a game, 16 points, 10 rebounds, uh, 74th in Kempom. Another team that if they win the Conference USA would be a dangerous tournament team. Uh, I already mentioned Grand Canyon and New Mexico State. Whoever wins that conference, you'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, just in terms of just keep an eye on because they could keep Oral Roberts out of the tournament. It is South Dakota State who leads uh, the conference right now. They're 86th in Kempon, 13-4. and four. They've lost pretty much all of their key games in terms of Bama, Washington. They did beat Washington State. But, uh, yeah, I, I, they're a team that's defensively sound, and they would pre- present a challenge, I would think. To uh, Max Aismith and that Oral Roberts team. Max Aismith, Aismith and Oral Roberts. Man, there's a dude. There's a name that you're not soon going to forget. No, no, and they've been okay too. They they're 11 and six, and they're going to give a challenge in the Summit League title game. But uh, yeah, it, I would prefer to see South Dakota State over uh, Oral Roberts on my center bracket. So we'll we'll take a quick break. We'll uh, we'll get to my topic. We're each just sort of. Uh, gathering things throughout the week, bringing them to the pod, man for man. I'm one man. Evil bald Colin is another man. Maybe sometimes we'll share in the topic, but who the hell knows? You mentioned Davidson, and this sort of bleeds through to the whole purpose of me doing this next segment, highlighting some coaches that never really get the respect or the recognition that they deserve, and they have to be you know, somewhat cool with that. That's just, that's the way it goes. I mean, there's a lot of different paths. There's a lot of different journeys and they don't all end up with you coaching Kansas, Duke, North Carolina. But if you have a passion and an intensity for the game, sometimes that doesn't matter. You don't need to make $5 million a year to coach ball, to want to do it every single day of your life, to affect young people, to build relationships. And Bob McKillop, could have been one of those guys that I chose to talk about and mentioning him now, but that dude is sitting at probably close to 650 wins. He's been a head coach at Davidson for his entire career. 
since he became a head coach in 1989, and he's still there. And yeah, I don't think that's people pretty cool. realize that unless yeah. if you told them that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so shout out to Bob McKillop. But to you, this will be a zero-second break, and there's going to be three head coaches, yes, I say legends of college basketball that you probably don't know, maybe never even heard of, but you should. Just take listen to the next 10 or 15 minutes, and you'll know about them, and you'll be a happier basketball fan because of it. So we'll do that here in a second. I just found out the other day, and maybe shame on me, but I didn't realize Jerome Lane was from uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary. Send it in, Jerome? I didn't know that either. Yeah, he went to St. Vincent, St. Mary. All right, Colin. What college basketball fan doesn't like to have a big, long debate about who the best head coaches are in the game currently or your top five all-time, top ten, Mount Rushmore, yada, yada, yada. It's always going to be big names, right? It's going to be Rupp. It's going to be Wooden. It's going to be Shashevsky, Knight, Williams, what have you. I don't think I hear many debates anymore because I think a lot of people just assume it's K, but at the same time, I think there is room for debate. I mean, it probably is K too. highest profile guy. He's got the national championships. But again, I would like to think that even a guy like Coach Krzyzewski, he he knows that a couple of different steps or moves and maybe some things that are just beyond your control. I think it's a I think it's a lot. It takes a lot of skill, a lot of hard work. I'm a big believer that you need to get some bounces of the ball. And how can you not believe that coaching a sport like basketball, right? where sometimes it's just the spin on the basketball, something that changes in a small way that doesn't have anything to do with the effort that you put out, and everything can change. It could be the difference between your team, you know, getting uh, getting in a big hole, the other team going on a 6-0, 9-0 run, what have you, you know, momentum swings like that, and it all could be different. Maybe Coach K doesn't get through that third year at Duke. Well, of course it's going to be different. He doesn't get through that third year at Duke. We probably don't even know who he was. He's just some guy that coached an army. And I don't know, maybe, maybe coach K is like uh, Lon Kruger, who just was a really good coach, but had a bunch of different stops throughout his, throughout his career. Right. That's a really good who the reference. Heck knows? That's a good reference. Yeah. But you know, you look at a you look at a Wikipedia page of the college basketball coaches that have 600 wins, right? And number one is it's Coach K. Now, I actually remember I don't save a whole lot of the stuff anymore, like the press passes that are you know cool and they got your name on it and they're color coded. They have some logos on it. I used to save stuff like that. Depends on what they are. Yeah, when I covered college basketball games, you go to the Rose Bowl, you know that's when you're going to save, right? You get the lanyard, you get the the holster for the press pass, but it was a it was a little nothing game between Duke and Presbyterian. And I was on the media list for that one. And it was substantial because he was tying Bobby Knight for most wins ever in major division one college basketball. So I saved that one. Mm -hmm. And of course he, it's crazy when you look now to see how far down the list Bobby Knight is with 902 wins coach K. And I don't know like when this is updated, was sitting at 1,178. I mean, way, way past, way past him. But here you go, man. Second on the chain is a guy named Herb McGee. Herb McGee. Anybody. I, I sincerely ask you, have you ever heard that name, Herb McGee, in your entire basketball life? And I would like to think that the people that are Flicking on this podcast, listening to us, are diehard college basketball fans. Yeah, I I would think so, but at the same time, unless if you're, I, I mean, even that's a stretch. But Philadelphia basketball fans, I I, I don't know if you're going to figure this one out. I thought I knew Philadelphia basketball. Look, I'm not from there, but I've got some family that's from there. You, I've you know I've gone to a game programs. at the Palestra now. You, I know about the Big Five. Yeah, yeah, we know how Villanova has has risen. We know about Mass, you know. Rolly Massimino, right? Drexel finally getting back to the tournament. There we go, Drexel. Let's go. 
But and, and is Drexel the one that's not included in the Big Five? Who's the outlier? Because there are six there, and one of them doesn't get to be in the Big Five. Are they? So it's it's St. Joe's, St. Joe's, Villanova, Penn, Penn, Temple, and LaSalle. Yeah, and then Drexel's the, the sixth, mm-hmm. the stepbrother. <laughs> so Herb McGee is coached for such a long time, 53 years. He's still there, He's right? He's 80. He's still there yeah. doing his thing. He has the coolest nickname that you ever that you have ever heard of, the Shot Doctor, right? Like that's amazing. That's pretty good. And he's been there so long that the university itself has changed names three times, from Philadelphia Textile to Philadelphia to the now Thomas Jefferson University. And he was sitting there at one thousand one hundred and twenty nine wins. I mean, are you kidding me? I. In some of my scrounging, you know, and it didn't take long to scrounge this up. Guys, he's a Naismith Hall of Famer, and thank God that he is. I would say so. Because I don't care if you're not in high Division One major college basketball. What you have done, your effect on the game, and that many people. Basketball, it should not only be about getting to the biggest level and showing your dominance. There are many, many different levels of this great game. And I mean, take Randy Bennett, for example, out take there at him. St. Mary's. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many, and especially in division one basketball too. That's why winning your conference is a big deal, but here's Herb McGee and enjoy this. This was his introduction in 2012 at the Naismith hall of fame <laughs> induction ceremony right here. Thank you very much. You would have to ask all the Hall of Famers in the group to stand up just before I got up here. I'm looking around and I see Bill Walton, Elgin Baylor. I mean, come on, Herb McGee? So I made a question today. I said to somebody, I said, now this is really the Hall of Fame where Paul Arizon is and Wilt Chamberlain and Tom Gola. And they said, yeah, that's it, Herb. I said, well, I, I, it's hard to believe. It's just hard to believe. And for me to stand up here with Jack Ramsey, as my presenter, is truly one of the great honors I've ever had in my life. There you go. I think that's that's so cool. The first words out of Herb McGee's mouth when he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that was 2011, my mistake, by the way. He is sort of lamenting how nobody would know who he was. That's he's the guy on the placard at that Hall of Fame, right? Where you're like, uh, okay, Herb McGee. Let me do my let me, let me do my quick research. But I I think I just think that's amazing that Tim, you, I'm looking at you his find happiness. Yeah, I'm looking at his record right now. He only finished under 500 three times ever, ever, ever. He's he right. hasn't went, since they joined the Central at Central Atlantic Collegiate Conference back in 2005. They haven't finished lower than second. Like, I, I I just love. I love these examples of guys who don't just take a job and use it as a stepping stone. Sometimes there's more to it. He made it a career and made it good for him. Yeah. He made it a career. And I think that's just as impressive. If I mean, I I think it's more impressive than getting to a high major division one gig and just bouncing around all over the place. 50 plus years in the same job. It's incredible. So there's coach number one. And, I would encourage you to go and watch his nine or 10 minute hall of fame speech that is posted on the hall of fame's website. The next coach I want to talk about here in a quick sec is a guy who's a a favorite character of this podcast, at least of mine. I've liked to flip through his college basketball books a lot. John Feinstein. I'd found an old John Feinstein article slamming the hall of fame for not putting in this one guy in. And his whole goal was, would you please do it? Before he dies of old age and they didn't, he's still not in. I'm talking about Jim Phelan, right? I'm talking about Jim Phelan from Mount St. Mary's, a.k.a. the Mount, evil bald Colin. You talk about a mid-major flavor. The Mount is one of them. Oh, I know. And Feinstein's right. So he might be a little bit more down the list in terms of wins or what his win percentage was, but 
I, yeah, I honestly since they, since they transitioned to the Division One, it's been kind of tough. A lot of below five hundred years. Yeah, but Jim Phelan, you look at when he was when he finished up. Yeah, nine and twenty, seven twenty one, three and twenty four. Yeah, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna hold that against him when he had eight hundred and thirty wins, and again, you're looking at the longevity. I mean, you have Coach of the Year, you have National. Coach of the Year Awards, named after Jim Phelan. CollegeInsider.com in 2003 renamed that Coach of the Year Award. I wonder if Chris Holtman got the Jim Phelan National Coach of the Year Award. That's a good research project. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if that's one of the ones that that he pulled in. I agree with Feinstein, though. He might not be, you know, when you look at the, the numbers and the wins, losses, but it's just, there's got to be more. There's got to be more about the lives that you affect, what you actually do as a coach, the longevity. Look at the the incredible success that he had before they transitioned to, D, to D1. And that is a difficult thing, right? That's, that is a difficult thing. And that happened in the late 80s when he was certainly going into the last decade of his career. And the fact that you can have a last decade of your career tells you about your legacy and how long you've been doing something and what a name you're going to be in that community, in that town. And everybody in basketball knows this guy, knows what he's about. And you will not find a person who has any kind of disrespect to say about Jim Phelan. I mean, he's he's ninth and wins all time. He's above Lou Olson. He's above John Beeline, Bo Ryan, name your pick. And I, I think Beeline and Ryan might be on their path. He's got more wins than Fog Allen. I I mean, I, I get it. It's not the same competition for most of his career and whatnot, but you still can't minimize the impact that he's had on the sport. He was actually, you mentioned Fog Allen. Phelan held this record. He he actually held the record in games coached with 1,354 across all divisions. And he's, I think, dipped to fourth on that list. Coach K. I would think K passed him had to have passed him. Uh, Bayheim. Jim Bayheim. Yeah. But, but he was behind fog Allen and tied with Jim Smith for second place. And Jim Smith, by the way, coached at a place called St. John's university in Minnesota, okay. smaller division level. Also outstanding winning as head coach in Minnesota college basketball history. So he was behind fog and tied with Smith for second place in total career seasons coached with 49. Though all 49 of Phelan's and Smith's came at one school, Fog Allen was at four other places before he got to Kansas, where he is the name there, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. That's that's the name of the place. He started at some place called Baker, is that correct? Baker is in Kansas, yeah. That is Central Missouri. Right down the road from Lawrence. Some university called Haskell. I'd... Haskell is also in Lawrence, Kansas. And then he went on his way to Kansas. Haskell Indians Nation. Yeah, so here is a little clip from Jim Phelan. This is from 2011 on players that he influenced the most. And, or at least he was asked that question, who do you think you influenced the most through your career? Here he was. This was from the NEC uh, television network. Well, possibly on... Fred Carter, who coached and then played in the NBA, and uh, a number of uh, my former players uh, contributed so much to my success. And you start naming them, you always forget a few. So uh, we'll name our one NBA player and kind of leave it at that. I had so many great players, it's hard to pick out. Fred Carter was an outstanding one, and he wound up coaching until the early 90s. He was a player. He averaged over 15 points per game in his NBA career. I don't care who you are. That's really impressive stuff. And the thing that we mentioned in the first segment about Tom Gola, right, when you're talking about Hall of Famers and Herb McGee mentioned his name, mm-hmm. well, you know, funny you mentioned that name, Herb, because Jim Phelan was sort of the guy that helped recruit him to LaSalle. There we go, Philadelphia basketball again. Big five, right? And that helped LaSalle to the 1954 National Championship. They won the title. They won it all that year. What title? Because I'm just looking at Phelan's career history, and he was an assistant coach with Mount St. Mary's actually before he took the head coaching job, but he did that uh, assistant job in 53-54. Um, how, how did he help recruit him to LaSalle? Well, it says when Phelan's 
playing career ended. This is from the Washington Post and Feinstein. Their uh, head coach, and I'm trying to get Leffler, Ken Leffler at the time. Okay. So there's another famous Philadelphia name. Ken Leffler offered him some big bucks, $600 a year. It says Leffler hired him as an assistant for $600 a year. Woo, baby. Man, Colin, we're rich, baby. By then, (laughs) Leffler knew his former player had an eye for talent. He had recommended Leffler recruit Tom Gola, who went on to lead LaSalle to the 54 National Championship. And says that spring, Mount St. Mary's, the tiny Catholic school in Emmitsburg, Maryland, was looking for a coach. Leffler then recommended his 25-year-old assistant, and the rest is history. You're saying it doesn't even show up on his wiki page? I have it as Mount St. Mary's as an assistant in 53-54, so maybe that just might have been incorrect, but... Yeah, possibly is. Are you taking Wikipedia? Or are you taking the great college basketball mind of I John know. Feinstein? I, I trust John Feinstein. He's published about fifteen books. I'm just po- on the sport. I'm, I'm just pointing out the no, uh, you're discrepancy right. between it. But I hate, I, I'm sure you're right. I hate thinking that about Wikipedia that it might have gotten something wrong there. <laughs> Says he coached the school through its transition to D1 and 88, like we talked about, and reached two NCAA tournaments and one NIT. When he retired, the 830 wins were fourth. In the history of the NCAA. I mean, come on. Seriously, come on. You know, look at a couple of his seasons at the end of his run. How many legends? How many legends in all sports when they're getting way up there dip a little bit? But it's the way that he's always continued to be there. I was even reading in, you know, another one of Feinstein's articles, just the anecdotes about how he would he and his wife, they lived right across the street from the arena there in Emmitsburg. And he was always around. He would sit in the top row. I guess their arena is just one little bowl. That makes sense because it's Emmitsburg. I think it's probably a smaller place. I'm envisioning maybe five, 7,000 seats I mean, max. It's a, yeah. it's a Northeast Conference yeah, school NEC now, so school. It's, it's nothing But big. the Mount's got a great environment, you know, based on what he built. I'd imagine their, their passion for basketball is deeply rooted in the fabric of that community now. And he would sit in the top row and just watch the games. And that, and people could come up to him and chat with him and say hi, and that just it seems like such an amazing thing. It's better than what these guys these days are doing when after, after they retire. Instead of sitting in the upper bowl, you've got guys like Roy Williams sitting courtside, and I'm sure Hubert Davis can recognize that. All right, and, you know, tragically, he passed away on June fifteenth, two 2021. We didn't get our wish. John Feinstein, he... He even wrote Jerry Colangelo, who, big USA basketball guy. I I don't know what exactly his working title is with the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, but there's a reason he wrote him because he thinks he pulls the most string and has almost all the influence. He pleaded to let him in before he passes away. He's going to be 90 soon, he said. Jerry, let's get him in. And all he did was write back, I'm well aware of Coach Phelan's. Wasn't aware enough, I guess. Yeah, he he said him. well aware of his attributes and his accolades or some something to that effect. I forget what exact word he used, but ah, you're like, oh, come on. So that's coach two, Herb McGee, Jim Phelan. Know those names, study them up. The third coach, if you are an Indiana basketball fan and if you're a Buckeye basketball fan, this guy should matter to you because he is the mentor for Buckeye basketball head coach Chris Holtman. And tragically, Paul Patterson passed away this past year as well at 78. And when you are on that same page looking at college basketball coaches with 600 or more wins, there he is, Paul Patterson, way, way up there with over 700 victories in college basketball at Taylor University. And he was there his entire head coaching career. He was 734 and 375 across 34 basketball seasons. He is right there below John Chaney and right there above Bill Self. Those are some power names in basketball, right? That's the whole point. Like, look, stop and look at some of these names in between all the guys that you just know and their household, right? And just... 
realize what this sport is, how great this game is, and how it can be played and taught at all different levels. And there are these guys out there that are passionate about it, and they care, and it's not all about getting your name out there and being heard of by everybody. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm actually on the NCAA.com website, and it actually didn't have it listed because I was looking to see where he was, and you said between Self and Chaney, and I'm like, well, he's not there. But, no, I mean, you're, you're talking in the same category as – uh, Calipari is just a little bit past that number right now. Uh, again, it's different competition. I get that. But the fact that you're sitting there in that same place for all those years and still are churning out those type of wins year after year after year, that's a consistency. That's a program that he built. And he's honestly, it goes towards his legacy of how consistent it was. Here was from the Indianapolis star, right? David Woods, who covers the game there. He's a terrific writer. Yeah. He covers Butler. Terrific writer in Indianapolis. Yeah, he would know everything there is to know about basketball in that state. Former Taylor coach Paul Patterson influenced players, basketball, and Butler Bulldogs. He says Paul Patterson coached basketball. He taught life. That's how someone from a small platform became a large influence on his players, his sport, his state. Longtime coach at Taylor University died on Monday. He was 78 years old. This was back in September 2021, all right? I don't even know how you would explain what he has meant to the game of basketball and to so many people. Said Evansville coach Todd Licklider, the former Butler and Iowa head coach. That is right. And then they pass it on. Teaching should be eternal. You teach it, and the next guy teaches it. That became evident to Patterson in his youth. Talked about his dad, Harold, who was a baseball coach at Hammond High School. Ah, Hammond, Indiana. Weber State had a pipeline to Hammond, Indiana for a while. That's a very interesting connection. Because Weber's head coach was an Indiana guy, and it's just that the name sticks out. It says, Harold Patterson, he was a math teacher, and his athletes told young Paul how much his father helped them. So the son decided he wanted to coach and teach as well. And that's, that's what I love. And I pulled a clip from the Buckeye Show, the show that I do here on The Fan in Columbus, and it's Chris Holtman, the head coach. We've reached the end of an interview. This was October, so going into the basketball season, this was one of those season preview type of things. Holtman's usually pretty good with us. He probably gave me 18 to 20 minutes, so I split it up into two different segments for the show. And I couldn't let him go without getting him to speak a little bit more on Paul Patterson because I, I I want Holtman to talk about this guy. You know, I, nobody's talking about this guy. No one's talking about these guys that we're talking about on this podcast. Well, it's so, even tougher for him being an NAIA guy. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Even the lower level, right? It's even lower than what we've been talking about. NAIA division one, two, three. So uh, here was a little clip from the show and everyone here at the Buckeye show wanted to give our, our sincere condolences, your mentor, your college coach, Paul Patterson, who recently passed. I remember you saying, bringing him up on the show about a year ago when I was asking you sort of about your coaching mentors. And I, I think, you know, we can throw Jay Wright and Tom Izzo's name out there all the live long day. Right. But it's just, there's so many coaches that are in NAIA, D1, D2, high school coaches that never get the respect or never get the national recognition, but there's so many guys that mold the game and uh, mold people like you. I appreciate that, Timmy. I do. He, he, he was, um, as impactful in my life as, as anyone, uh, certainly as any male outside of my dad. Um, we had a really, really close relationship. He would call me when I became my head coach for the first time. He would call me twice a week and check in on me, and he was consistent with that. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at today or, or be motivated by the things I'm motivated uh, today if, if, I, if I didn't uh, play and then subsequently work for him. And, uh, you know, all of us who've had uh, coaches uh, in our lives who've had an impact or have a son or a daughter uh, who really looks up to their coach uh, know, knows what that impact can be. And uh, it was that for me. And, and it was a, it's, it's been a tough uh, last few weeks for sure. Yeah. It was a tough funeral. I thought, you know, I went into that thing, um, you know, I had to speak and I went into that thing prepared to, uh, to speak and boy, it was a lot harder than I anticipated, yeah. but that obviously speaks to his impact on everybody. So I appreciate you bringing uh, coach Patterson up. 
And that again is head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes men's basketball team, Chris Holtman, was with us on the Buckeyes show talking about Paul Patterson, who was the legendary coach at Taylor University, Upland, Indiana, where Coach Holtman played. John Gross, another guy that played for him there. Yep. There was a uh, a quote from Brad Stevens. Basketball names really don't get any bigger than that, right? And that's interesting because Brad Stevens did that coming up through Butler, which was really always a quintessential mid-major. They've only sort of catapulted themselves in the last 10 years because of Brad Stevens. He said something about how, you know, everybody knows. You know, he said Knight and Katie got all the headlines, but there was a guy in Upland, Indiana, that was every bit as good as anybody around. That was a Brad Stevens quote. And you hear Chris, isn't that high praise? And just hearing Holtman there, you can tell. And here, here's a guy who's made it to big time college basketball in the big 10. I guarantee you Holtman doesn't think anything of that. And in no way would he ever go around thinking that he's better or outdid his coach just because of the league or the place he's coaching. I don't think it's about that to the guys that really understand the game. If you can coach, you can coach. You can build up talent. It doesn't matter where you are. I would have loved to be a coach at that, at a small college. Would have loved it. Would have been the thrill of a life. Yeah, it's it's a lot of management. It's a lot of uh, daily daily management and daily things you have to deal with. But, yeah, no, it, just to stay there for as long as they did, I'm sure they lived a great life doing it. You're just living and breathing the game that you love. All day, every day. Essentially. That's all That's all that you're doing. So there's three names there. Paul Patterson, Jim Phelan, The Mount, and Herb McGee, Thomas Jefferson <laughs> University in Philadelphia. Some oh, big basketball places, too. Hopefully this is, a, this is a good luck charm to get them more recognition that they need. Yeah, from Philadelphia to uh, Emmitsburg, Maryland. Beautiful out there, too. The, the, drive, the drive in Western Maryland all the way, if you're going to the nation's capital or Baltimore or whatever, and uh, Indiana, middle of Indiana. That's it. All right, Evil. It's been good stuff, man. I, I, I love talking about this game with you, buddy. No, it's been a great time. Like I said, the rest of this week is really packed with games. We've talked about the mid-majors, the coaches, and everything. You should be prepared to talk to your friends and tell them what you know. All right. Enjoy all the basketball, everybody. Tell your friends if they're looking for a a new flavor, kind of like the mid-major flavor, something else to listen to to throw into that feed. Tell them that it's mad about hoops, right? We're talking. We're going to talk about some different things that aren't discussed on other basketball podcasts. So find it wherever you get your audio. Please do leave us a little five-star review and write something down there as well. Tell us maybe some other uh, ideas that you might have some more content that you're looking for, and we'll put our heads together on it. So we will see you guys next time. This has been Mad About Hoops.